So go now to um, Danilo Akisto. He is um, in Johannesburg now, but he's he's uh, he's a KP. Hi, Danilo. <laughs> Hi, Lindsay. How are you? I'm great. I I struggle to put you in a box. When when somebody asks you, um, who are you and what do you do? Do you give them a short answer or do you give them the whole caboodle? <laughs> no, it's the most exhausting question to be asked because there's so many layers to who we are as people. And to try and give somebody a one-layered and uh, a short answer to that is really exhausting, I'm sure, because I think I guess part of it's going to be having to lie to people. But um, I don't know. I guess there are many layers to who I am. I like doing all the different parts that I do. Um, but I guess as long as I know who I am, who cares what other people know about who I am and what, what they think about me? Yeah. There seem to be three main arms to your wing. There's this uh, mm. sort of media personality. And then there's the yeah. guy who does the youth stuff. And then yeah. there's the guy who's, you know, hauling out this law degree and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and assisting well, with that. No, Have I missed something? <laughs> no, not at all. I, well, I, I guess it, I, I don't really know. I didn't really plan to have a specific sort of facet to my life as I kind of grew up. But, but um, I was always a kid who never really knew what he wanted to do, really. And I still think I'm that kid who doesn't really know what he wants to do, really. <laughs> and so finds his hands busy with a lot of really cool projects. And uh, naturally, I, I've sort of gravitated towards the youth, and I've always tended to work with it, be it ministry work. Um, at sort of like the church level, whether it be in terms of organizations and the way that the sort of society views young people. I've always been involved in those spheres. I worked on a youth television show for four years, engaging with youth issues with the young people of, of the country. So I guess just the young people have been really close to my heart for, for a very long time. The law thing, I think, was because people knew that I was always fighting a cause and I really knew how to argue, even though I didn't know the answer. I just wanted to argue for the sake of it. Uh, and so <laughs> the, all the career guidance counselors were like, well, hey, a law degree sounds the perfect thing for you. Okay. But it's it's quite nice that you, I mean, having, you know, done law um, and you're doing all these other things, you still find a way mm. of doing it in a way mm. to benefit society. Yeah, you know what? I think it's something that a lot of lawyers will tell you is that in your first couple of years of studying, you will always learn more about yourself and society than you will learn about how you would imagine law to work in a courtroom. Because your first couple of years, you're learning about the Constitution, you're learning about rights. You're learning about the way the world deals with law. Mm. You're learning about uh, how, how to incorporate that into society. You're learning about belief systems. You're learning about the family. You're learning about property. So you're really getting to understand the world that you live in. Um, and so law, law years, in some ways, for me, are such, such well-rounded people. They understand all facets of the way the world works and the way the individual works. So for me, honestly, I, yes, I use it always in my day day to day, whether it be from just understanding the way contract works, understanding the way that the legal system works. Um, and for some reason, I'm going to maybe get myself into trouble for saying this, but I, I think in some ways it's taught me how to not do things. Um, the legal system in our, in our country is beautiful. We've got an incredible constitution. We've got an incredible um, you know, separation of, of power in our country. But the only issue that I've, I face, and I think this was one of the draw cards for me post making the decision to you know, follow media instead of law, um, was that we just don't have an ac access to justice. Those who desperately, desperately need justice, and in some small ways even, can't get access to it. And I realized when I was you know, going through phases in my life where I was feeling like I was being dealt with unjustly, whether it be at work with a contract or whether it be starting something and just not having the right kind of guidance, for me to go and find a lawyer to kind of have a look through a lease or, um, you know, a contract with an employee or employer, sorry, or to go and find, you know, just some kind of legal advice, 
is really expensive. And if, if I couldn't do it as a privileged young youngster who had all the opportunities at my fingertips, how much would the most desperate portion of society, you know, need the law? Mm. Which made me a lot more, I think, compassionate in some ways. I grew up, um, you know, just trying to understand where people are at, that they, they don't know what's available to them. They don't know what's out there. Mm. I've at least had the privilege of going to go and study the basics of it. Mm. Mm. Now, you work with young people. Um, it seems that you're, you're sitting in so many, your ambassadors, your chairmans, your directors, yeah. you know, we're talking <laughs> life choices, we're talking mm. the Iris House Children's Hospital and your chairman mm. of the Youth Chaplaincy Committee for the Youth Office of the Western Archdiocese. So mm. <laughs> um, you, 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 you're rooted in um, Catholicism. Yes. Is, is that something, would you say that that's your core? So, okay, well, lots of young people will, will have this kind of um, life crisis. They leave home, they were a cradle Catholic, they grew up with their parents, and they must go to church, um, and they almost initially just want to run away. They want to run away from, from the kind of structure and formality. And my journey was, I don't think, any different to that. I think I left sort of home for university and wasn't too sure of who I wanted to be or where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. I knew that remaining close to my faith was a really good thing, but I, did I have this deep relationship with Jesus Christ? Like, I, I don't think so. Um, but over a period of time, of people gave me people gave me opportunities to get involved in service and in ministry and um, to try and just help learn through leading young people uh, in the process of coming to get to know the faith. And the more I asked the harder questions and was, yeah, I guess comfortable enough to ask the hard questions, I found that the only faith that I could ever come to that had answers to a lot of the really hard questions in life that made sense to me was the Catholic faith. And, and so as I journeyed more into all those questions and more into those answers and more into the questions and more into the answers, I guess my, my faith really started to strengthen. And that's, I guess, the root of who I am and what I do. It has to be based on, on some kind of existential belief that, you know, that there's a God out there who loves me and, and wants to bring the world together. And I've got a role to play in that. So, yes, absolutely, I'd say my faith plays a massive role in, in, in guiding all my decisions, in fact. So if you were to... D- to, to um talk about yourself would you would you lead with the fact that you you're catholic or would that sort of creep out later i hear what you're saying because it's a question yeah. that comes up quite often yes. but in a very different way usually the question becomes well so tell me something you work in the media yeah. and you're on television quite a lot how do you balance having a faith life and a work life <laughs> and and i always find it the most hilarious question to answer because uh, for me obviously it's, it's all part of who i am yes. i mean this is all yes. part of what i do and who i am and if yes. if i if I work, it's because I feel like I'm being called to do this work. And yes. if I serve, it's because I feel like I'm being called to do the service and I want to add value in those spaces. So, and, you know, would I lead with that kind of comment? It depends on what I'm trying to achieve. I'm not here to convert anyone in, in an instant to like, oh, you all must be Catholic and you're not, you can't be friends. Uh, you first got to build a relationship with people. And the relationship is built on much more levels than just that. And so for me, I always I always hope to build friends out of kindness and, and love and gentleness and, and patience. And I'm also an excited person. I get things wrong and I, I'm cheeky here and then and I'm naughty and I you know make rude jokes and toilet humor is part of part of things that I love. So I don't walk up to and be like, hey, my name's Daniel Christa, I'm Catholic and oh, by the way, can we be friends? Um, <laughs> yeah. But but I do I do think people will start to gather as they go that everything that I do has got to have some kind of rooting in, in spirituality. Otherwise, what, what's the point of calling it spirituality? Mm-hmm. I suppose I was also asking because somebody was commenting about how different it is from saying you're you're a Christian or to say that you're a Catholic Mm. and how often there's a silence after Uh, you say you're a Catholic. 
Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, it's like, Sam, when are you going to get free? You know, it's like, Sam, you're really, you're really like an oppressed human being. Which is so funny because, you know, a lot of uh, the guys who I interact with at church, I mean, are really incredible people. And a lot of them have all had explorations of all the other different faiths and journeys. And they've all found their way coming back towards the sort of Catholic faith. And it, there is a taboo around it. But I think, and in all honesty, it comes from a place of ignorance. And so was my faith journey, too. I think my faith journey was, you know, wow, what a good God want to make uh, allow bad things to happen to good people, and you know why? Uh, apparently, the church hates the gays, and apparently, the church hates, hates, hates these things, hates those things. And until I started asking the questions and stopped asking ignorant people for the answers, I started to ask questions and do my research and read, and um, you know, really get into the depths of the history of 2,000 years of, of spirituality. You start to really unpack the truth and the, the the nuances behind all of these things. And so, yeah, I guess there is this kind of divide between the Catholics and and the rest of the Christians. I even have some people saying. Uh, oh, you're Catholic, so therefore you're not Christian, hey. And I'm like, what? <laughs> no, Catholics and Christians were all one denomination, all one same thing. We're all going to like, we're all trying to work towards greatness and goodness and, and God's love. So, yeah, I guess there is this kind of divide. But I try not to say it that way. It's not like I'm better or worse or like shame to all the other Christians who are not Catholic. Ugh, that should never be the circumstance at all. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, you, 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 you wear so many hats when you work with youth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Once again, if you were to choose one, and 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 you would be, you would tell someone about a youth program, uh, which would, would would be the one that you would you would talk about? Mm. I mean, I suppose it's different sitting on the board and. I and, guess yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I guess it, it is different. I mean, there are some incredible organisations that are around. I mean, I just yeah, I tried to start a, a, my own little project at my. In a small parish, and, and one of the criticisms I got was like, "Do you know how much is going on out there? Like, why don't you use your services to, you know, work with these people that are doing incredible stuff out there?" Mm. And um, I, I decided to do a bit of my research. But um, so it just it, it blows my mind to see how many people are giving up of their lives to serve their communities, and it's incredible. The one organisation that I work with very closely, who I have a soft spot for, and I wish I had more time to deal with them more, is Life Choices. Okay. I do sit on their board, but I chose to sit on their board because I wanted to guide their founding values. And their founding values are, again, like I heard you talking about this earlier, about how you're going to tackle this issue, but root cause, root issues. Mm. Um, a lot of our young people are in identity crises at the moment. They don't know who they are, and they don't know what they want to do, and they don't know what the meaning of their lives are. And a lot of that is being fed by bad uh, environments at home. They are either abusive parents or absent parents or parents just feeling ill-equipped to deal with children at that particular stage, whether it be financials or personal, psychological. Um, and what comes in, coming with that comes not, lack of knowledge, lack of knowledge of my health, my, my rights, my abilities. And, and so what Life Choices do is they tackle the root cause issues of all of these things. So they've got um, a couple of programs. One of them is Leaders Quest, where they focus directly on the individual who's moving out of that phase of, you know, I'm a student to now, I need to choose to go become a university, university student, choose what I want to do with my life, choose a career. Who am I? What mm. I want to do? What's mm. leadership? Mm. What is kindness? What's compassion? What's community? Mm. And that's a really cool program that they run. They have um, Hope for Life, which is all about um, trying to, you know, bring HIV testing to the communities, educate communities on personal health, on sexual health, and all of those those uh, sort of really good solid values. And then they have uh, Family Affairs, which is one of the programs that just Honestly, like everyone that goes to go visit a sort of counseling um, um, session for one of these campaigns is, is so beautiful because they go into the families and they really just bring in the experts to, to unpack these families who have had years and years of brokenness or years and years of very subtle um, you know, nuances that, that, have, that have 
unsettle the families and they discuss and they talk and they engage and they grow closer together and they learn how to be a family and a community and, and what that means and uh, yeah just if you can solve that crisis of the family unit you can you can solve the individual crisis of of youngsters feeling unloved and not sure of who they are so they're doing so much other work i mean with entrepreneurs and they're doing other work uh, in, in communities and it's just it's just incredible i've never seen an organization do that much work um, for so many people. Mm, mm. Now, do you think that being on television, I mean, your work on Afternoon Express and, and being yeah. a radio presenter on Good Hope FM, do you think that mm. that gives you a bigger voice? I, I hate to use that word, but um, <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I had the answer for that question because I, I, I think it's, I never really joined the media to be like, you know, I'm this activist and I want to be on a bigger platform, build mm. a bigger brand, be mm. able to do this mm. great work. I've always kind of been the guy who wants to be on the ground doing the real work because mm. I've always been in leadership positions. I've always done the, you know, that, you know, I'm leading a team and we're fighting a cause, but there's just been this real call in my life to go down to the ground and meet the person where they're at, meet the actual mm. individual, individual where they're at. Mm. I struggle with being in the media um, and I struggle quite a lot with that balance of uh, I want to work and I want to love what I do and I do enjoy what I do. But in order to build a brand in our current industry that is, you know, that, that I guess that is financially sustainable, that is, you know, builds social media followings, are not the types of people that I can necessarily relate to. I find it really hard when your very own publicist tells you, you know, oh man, when are you going to post more shirtless photos because they get more traction than anything else? And I, I'm just not that person. Mm. So being on television provides you with that platform to speak kindness. But what's been so powerful for me over my career is that I've got to remember that as I'm on that television show in the afternoon, there are one and a half to two million people that are watching the show. If I can show kindness and compassion mm. in, in one circumstance in that show, it is seen. And I get messages on Facebook. I get messages on Instagram. I get messages on Twitter. I get messages on all the platforms from people who send me these long essays explaining about the, the spaces that they've been in their lives and how just watching the show and seeing a, a true, genuine human being on, on the television, they've given them hope in their space. Has given them hope in their in their field, and that to me gives me hope to continue to do this work in the media. Because if I leave my place there bare, I'm so fearful of who is going to fill that space to try and make a name for themselves and uh, you know mess mess people around in the process. So, do I believe that TV and radio gives you a platform to do good to good to uh, to do good? Jeez, <laughs> I'm tongue tied. It's eleven o'clock at night. Um, absolutely, I, I do, and. Um, I'm hoping that my career is continuously going to be about this journey of this genuine, this genuine person moving on to the media because I think people are tired of seeing the frivolous. They're tired of Kim Kardashian. They want to now see people who are doing real things with their lives and actually care about about the I think you know what you said you, you, you learn through leading young people and I think if mm. you if you if you live that um, mm. it, 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 it speaks to the kind of integrity you're speaking of yeah I would hope so I mean yeah I learn by leading young people they're, they're in a generation who are so powerful but without the right kind of channeled energies, they can be destructive. And I mean, we're so excited to see all the protests happening because we're seeing people standing up for something at least, standing up for something and believing in a cause and you know, being their own individuals and starting to ask themselves the questions, what do I believe, who am I? And if they've got the wrong role models really pushing them in directions, 
that can be fired in such strange, scary ways. And we can end up with, you know, civil wars and things like that. But on the complete reverse side, we can leave um, uh, youngsters who are moving into in careers, moving into positions of power, knowing who they are and knowing what it means to serve the community, that they're not an individual in their own right, that they have a community around them, that they got individual worth. Do you know how much value that those people can have in those organizations? Because if I was formed the way that I was as a young person, got to get a position like I am now and the huge privilege of broadcasting on multiple platforms to know that I, I serve a much greater community. For me, if I was led by the wrong people, how much destruction I could have done in the exact same platform. Mm. So we've really got to, we've really got to equip these young people to you know, understand who they are, understand what they want to achieve by their lives and make sure that that is about serving a community, not serving themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um I suppose also you spoke about the issue of, of role models, but once yeah. again, it, it's, it sounds like you're not somebody who sets out to be a role model. What you're saying <laughs> is you need to engage, and through that engagement, yeah. um, mm. that's, that's where it comes. Uh, and, and with yeah. this core belief in, in <clears throat> Catholicism, um, you, you know, that's where you, you come from. Yeah. So I think you, you, you're touching on a very good point here, which is naturally that role models should not be people who set out to be role models. If you are, then there's a really egotistical side to you that needs to, needs to be let go of. So I'd like to draw the distinction between role models and mentors. Role models are people who you see on platforms that you might not be able to engage with on a day-to-day basis, but you believe you can emulate their values and you like the values that they stand for, and they represent a certain portion of who you are. Not necessarily the whole portion, but there's certain parts of these different people who you, you find inspire you that you would like to emulate and you take, you take those sort of values on. And hopefully, like uh, I think it is in the Gospels, uh, where Jesus would say, like, if you need to preach the Gospel, um, if necessary, use words. It doesn't say go and tell people what they should do. Mm-hmm. Just live your life in a way that you believe mm-hmm. to be uh, uh, filled with virtue. And hopefully from that, lives will be inspired. And so yeah. uh, this mentorship thing for me is far more important than, mm-hmm. than the sort of you know, role models because... Like I've met so many young people along the way who've said, please, can I come and learn from what you do? A lot of them have got really misguided intentions. They all want to be famous and you know, hope that I'll, I'll be their golden ticket. And mm-hmm. some of them have got really genuine intentions. Mm-hmm. I mean, recently, just a story of a 17-year-old girl who um, badgered me for months to try and get to come and just watch Afternoon Express from behind the scenes. I'm terrible at admin sometimes. Um, <laughs> and so I didn't really reply. But she went through all the avenues she could, and she managed to get onto that show. And at that show, she pitched to me to say, like, I want to learn about Radio 2. Can you give me an opportunity? And I asked her how good she was at, at administration. And at that particular time, I was looking for some help. And so she came to go visit my radio show. And I recently, as an 18-year-old girl, I've recently employed her as a content producer on my radio show, getting experience that no other girls at her age, still in high school, were getting mm-hmm. you know, the opportunities to do. And so young people do need to find someone who they can look up to, who's going to take the time out of their day to really guide them through life and realize that they're more than just their work, they're more than just their family environment, they're more than just their financial positioning. They've got value and worth intrinsically. Now, how do we help you build that, you know, to build a kingdom? Mm-hmm. I was joking earlier about the fact that you were in Joburg, but you're a KP. Do you call yourself a KP? <laughs> I mean, because well, you, okay. you actually I, were born in Johannesburg. <laughs> I think my parents are listening, and I think they're going to be very cross with me for saying this. But <laughs> I, honestly, I honestly love Cape Town so much. And I, I don't think I could ever call Johannesburg home again. Uh, in, in the near future, unless some really good work opportunities provided presented themselves. Because, yeah, I grew up in Johannesburg. I loved my time in Johannesburg. I was quite a naughty kid and quite a troubled childhood from a 
from a trying to just discover who I was perspective and um, being ADD and trying to figure out all of those things. Not knowing what I wanted to study. And so I spent my 18 years in, in Joburg and then I moved to Cape Town. I think what was so exciting about that phase of my life was that moving into university, the newness, the, the independence, the, all of that kind of exciting um, periods of your life. I think it has left a mark with Cape Town for me in the first place. Second of all, Cape Town's got this um, sort of negative perception that everyone's clicky. I went to university at UCT. I met friends from Durban, Joburg, everywhere you can imagine. Made some of the closest friends uh, like I'll ever have for the rest of my life there. Um, and we've got a, like, such beautiful opportunities to explore creativity. I mean, being an, an entrepreneur myself, like to see the way that the creatives are moving in the digital spaces there excites me. Being a foodie, seeing the way that we're innovating with food and coffee excites me. Uh, going to go and just it, taking a drive to work and being able to just see the ocean fills my soul. Like Cape Town has got everything. And I don't think I would ever, ever, ever move back at like, at least anytime soon. <laughs> now you're overdoing it. I think you're trying to schmooze us. Huh? <laughs> okay, now you sound like someone who's a mover and a shaker. Have you got some new ventures mm. that you can tell us about? Well, so I think the one thing that I've, I'm just trying to focus on this year is that we launched a campaign at the beginning of the year called The Power of Hope. Um, I think it's one thing that I think is lacking across all all. all portion of society at the moment is this the sense that we do have hope that there is hope for the future and that there is hope in my individual life so that's one thing that i'm going to be driving quite a lot but the other thing that's exciting which i think you'll find fascinating because you're getting uh, more coming into your show a little bit later on plus you've been speaking about digital you've been speaking about video production uh, youtube have just released in the U- in the u.s that they're starting to do um sort of like a like a subscription-based tv service and so there's a lot of stuff happening in digital and I, I have recently just got a confirmation. I can't say too much just yet because obviously once the signature's on the paper, then we can talk. But there will definitely be a business venture starting this year to do with trying to help YouTubers make themselves sustainable. Um, and it will be the first of its kind in South Africa. So I'm, I'm very just much looking forward to waiting for that phone call to come through from from overseas to say the money is on its way and we're ready to rock and roll. So business will be the new hat way this year. Watch this space. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for agreeing to to come on air all the way from Joburg. <laughs> no worries. I'm so sad I got to miss you. I mean, I would have loved to sit in the studio and just really tap in all of the knowledge that you've got and to tap in all your other guest knowledge. So we must do it again soon. Sure. I'll hold you to that. Absolutely.